and welcome to episode four of the Reimagining Work podcast with Roger Nort and John Wenger. Uh, speaking across the English Channel, <laughs> and episode four uh, is entitled "Planet Social Business." And you and I, Roger, have many have had many conversations about social business, and I um, think it would be useful to structure today's conversation uh, around some of that and see if we can condense it to around about thirty minutes. Um, I guess this, the starting point for the title came out of one of our conversations, and it, a picture came to me of a whole planet that I'm not sure I've actually visited, and this sort of metaphor of, of planet social business came into my head. And I, I suppose the, the, the first question that, that I sit with when I think about the term social business is what does it actually mean? Um, and, and if there are some things called social businesses, what would we call businesses that are not quote, social? Well, to answer the last question, it's just a business. So there's not much to it. They just do what they need to do and, and get on with it. And um, so I guess that's, that's just a, a pretty boring planet if you want to. And um, once you get into the social business um, uh, area, if you will, or the planet, if you will, uh, it all gets very much more interesting. And I think, especially for employees, a lot more rewarding. Um, so just as a, again, as a, as a naive in this sort of area, uh, what roughly would you say was the proportion of businesses which are social and not in, in, the, modern, in the modern workplace? I think you, you're looking at a, like a 2080 um, uh, 20, 20 social and the rest not. Yes, yes. Uh, having said that, there's obviously a, 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 a tremendously <laughs> large amount of shades of grey and um, uh, where you have at one end of the spectrum, you have a business that is as old school, command and control and rigid as they were uh, at the beginning of the industrial age. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have businesses uh, which are trying to be completely um, uh, social and uh, innovative and um, uh, living on the edge, on the far edge of... Okay. Uh, of so being, I, I guess this is where I tap in to, to social business, not coming at it from, uh, say, a, a technolo technological background, but more... The work I do is around developing, you know, um, people developing themselves in relationships. So that's the social aspect of it. It's the innovative thing that you've just mentioned, which is where I get interested and think that I part I partly belong to that that tribe of people generating greater social business in the world. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the the one end where they're highly innovative. You've mentioned command and control. So there's something in there for me which says social business is something quite revolutionary moving away from old industrial structures and mindsets of how businesses get set up. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very um, fundamental to begin with. And um, for instance, it's especially difficult for uh, businesses that are very old and very traditional, uh, family businesses for instance, have a very hard time uh, making a switch into, uh, 
you know, you can call it social business, but but having difficulty switching to the 21st century mm-hmm. in general. Uh, if you take the definition uh, of of a definition of of social business, and you take Peter Kim's uh, definition, he says social business draws on trends in technology, uh, work, and society, and um, that means that you're very much in tune with the now, with the world that we live in now, with this planet, and not with the planet that you know is, is already. Uh, Hundred years old in some cases. At least, yeah. Yes, and, and and this goes actually for for some companies too, right? They've been around for that long, and it's very difficult for them to stay in touch and and to keep going at at that pace and that level. And um, things change faster and faster and faster. I mean, you know, you, you have that. I'm, I don't know the technical terms of that, but you know, we're working. Everything um, develops quicker every time. The same with data storage or, or uh, the price of memory for a computer or, or you know, uh, 20 gigabytes of storage 10 years ago would have been unimaginably expensive. So you're saying those three trends that you identified that Peter Kim talks about, technology, work and society, the changes, the changes in those three domains are accelerating so it's about how it was social businesses around uh, being relevant in the context of those three trends shifting so dramatically yeah technology obviously is uh, uh, accelerating quicker than the other two Uh, that's just the nature of the beast I mean there's a certain drive to develop technology and once you reach that point you can reach that point you can reach that point society moves a little bit slower and uh, work is somewhere caught in the middle and but the changes in uh, society can happen fast we we, you've got these these jumps that you have and the latest jump that we've had was since the uh, 2004, 2005, um, and we, we've entered the social era, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we've already entered the digital era, but now we're in the, in the social era. And it's changing the way that we communicate with each other, that we see the world, that we get our information, and the way we share information. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact what we're doing now, mm-hmm. I mean, we would not have been able to do that 10 years ago. No, it would have been unthinkable, really. That I wouldn't have considered it as possible. It, it's just not. And, um, I mean, we could have recorded some sort of uh, broadcast, but chances are we would have been, uh, it would have been necessary to be in the same room, or we used to, like a phone uh, in order to make the connection. Uh, doing it the way we're doing it now is just, I mean, 10 years ago, forget about it. You would not have been able to do that. And... Uh, but we are getting comfortable with it pretty quick. And um, that means that people get used to it and people want it because it's the way we communicate these days. Mm. I mean, my father-in-law, he might not. Uh, it's a big deal for him, to, to, for him to, to send an SMS, you know, to stay in touch or even open an email. I mean, it's a challenge. And for us, but it's, it's getting so much... Well, for me, even more than maybe for you, and um, so and 
Um, yeah, so that's technology. And business have to keep up because um, oh no, society is the sharing. It's supported by technology mm-hmm. and it's um, uh, translated in the way we work. Okay, let's, let's, let's focus a bit on this bit here when you said businesses need to keep up because. And I think it's the because that a lot of people get stuck. If you're suggesting that majority of businesses would not be in the social realm yet. Um, I'm thinking of two people very close to me in my life. Uh, one of whom is um, has reached the milestone of seventy years and delights in learning how to send a pics a, a pix uh, text to me when she's out and about. Um, the other person is younger than me and is a bit like Ken, Ken Canute and tries to keep the tide of technology back and sounds a little bit like a great grandmother. And then, you know, in the old days, it was easier. We didn't have mobile phones, and I get a little bit um, frustrated sometimes when I don't get a text responded to, for example. So, but the because is really important because there is a mindset shift that needs to occur. So there's a business that's been operating just fine, thank you very much, for 50 years. Suddenly these trends come along. Yes. They still, they manage to install computers and people use computers and they send emails and that's really quick and efficient and isn't this fun. So why would I invest any more of my time and effort if I'm running a business in sh- making that shift and, and migrating to planet social business? That's the important question. Why? Well, do you remember that that funny thing called telephone when oh, it well. came out? There was a time where executives said, "Well, I'm going to have a phone. My secretary is going to have a phone, but everybody else in the office they're not going to need a phone." And because you know it's it's fancy, it's technology is nice, but you don't need it. Same thing happened with email. The executives they wanted to have email because it was a fancy new thing, and uh, but the workforce you know they could use paper, right? I mean that even was a time where even um, Bill Gates said like with with uh, uh, I don't know like a ten megabyte memory thing, like we're never going to need more than that, and yeah. and and now you know I get a hard drive of three terabytes and. There's always a level of resistance with every new step in technology that we have, always. Mm-hmm. And, but it gets accepted anyway. And you're going to see the same thing with Google Glass at some point. Everybody's going to go mm-hmm. like, ah. 10 years' time, everybody's going to be recording whatever. You're going to be have the, the feedback on your glasses, and, and it's just going to be mainstream. And mm-hmm. as far as businesses go... Yes, no, no, you don't have to, sure, but your competitor does. And if they're going to use the same technology, I mean, if you want to send a letter to a client and it's going to go via regular mail and it's going to take two days to get there and your competitor sends an email and it takes a split second to get there, who do you think the client is going to be more inclined to work with? Um, mm. it's going to be you who sends the email because it's just and it and that kind of translates back to the whole um, evolution that we have as a society because you know animals tend to evolve over millions of years humans have the capacity to change their environment overnight mm. and um, which is very interesting 
because if you follow the technology, you always have something to look forward to. I mean, it's fun, but it's also very scary. And it also demands that humans stay in touch with that technology. And you, of course, you create a gap with people who don't um, uh, stay with the trends, you know, or people who choose not to um, play. Uh, I mean, your statement, you know, humans can make a change to their worlds overnight. Can we make a change to our mindsets overnight is the key one. Because I've come back to your question about command and control. You see, in command and control land, there's a lot of vested interest in not giving up command or control. If you're somebody in, who, has a little, who has a little bit of that in your business. So why, if I'm running a business, would I want to give that up and release because you talked about it being on businesses being on the edge of innovation, why would I want to release that? Why would I want to give up command and control of what goes on in my business? The um, again, you get to the to some fundamental level because otherwise you you get way too deep into it. But if you let people, chances are right. I mean, there's no guarantee, but if you let people collectively work on a problem they're going to solve it but you have to a trust them and give them that trust that they can actually do that um and b you have to let them uh, be able to fail or you know come up with some b is you might not know the answer uh, there's a reason why um, any uh, president of or, or whatever has a staff, because you know they help him with digesting the amount of information that comes in. There's no way he can do it alone, especially if you have a large company. There's no way you can get you you can absorb everything alone. There's you cannot micromanage everything within a company, and uh, you can only set the broad. Uh, uh, business goals and then you have to trust your managers to work that out yeah I, I mean right now you're preaching to the converted because this is where I tap in and I'm absolutely you know passionate about workplaces being uh, places where power and control is far more dispersed throughout it's not held in the hands of a few people at the top I'm absolutely behind you on that it, it is in combination with transparency right because sure. because the, the the command and control now is it still goes down and it's still you still have to trust your manager in order to do uh, what is necessary. But mm -hmm. in the current structures, you have to blindly trust them because you can't control them as you would like to, or you don't have. So it's a two way. So the social in social business is a two way thing. It's an open. There's an openness and transparency in there. Absolutely, it's no mirror. It's not a, like a one-way mirror or something. It, it it's just a pane of glass, mm -hmm. and it's not even bulletproof. It's it's just just a window, and so, it goes both ways. Yeah. So you 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 kind of hinting at some stuff that I've um, written about in the past around leaders and managers reimagining what what it means, like reimagining the job description, if you like. Reimagining what what it is that their role consists of when they walk into the workplace every day, yeah, okay. So it's quite it is quite a revolution, and again, you know that's the 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 why. We you know you've suggested well your competitors will be doing this, so 
there'll be things that you get left behind on if you don't keep up and start yourself packing your bags to head towards planet social business. Um, I'm interested to hear, talk a little bit about um, information and communication because the revolution, certainly in, in the, from a technical side, which even I am aware of, it technically has changed the way I communicate, witness what we're doing now. Uh, information is another one that I'm interested to hear a bit more from you about. Like, how is information treated differently? Because one bit of me is that CEO or the manager who's going, yeah, but if we open up this stuff, it's just floodgates of information and actually, we're doing fine. Thank you very much. Do we really need more information? We've got all we need. Well, you don't need to create more information. You just need to be able to control the information or have it controlled. You don't, as a manager, you don't have to control every piece of information, but have the system control the information. And um, so it's, it's more like proper management of the information. I mean, if, if you have Holland, for instance, right? I'm, I'm Dutch, I'm, I was born there, and we all know part of the Netherlands is below sea level, and if there's one thing that's extremely important in the Netherlands, it's water management, right? Every day, 24-7, every water, every waterway, or uh, it, it's all managed, and because they have to. Because if they don't, it's going to flood within a matter of weeks, I think. It's, it's really, it, it happens really quickly. If you use uh, the water metaphor as your information, the Netherlands have control over their information very well. And um, it's part of their survival. And, but they're not creating more information. Right? There's a, a finite amount of information obviously you know a company creates information as it goes along uh, but you don't have to go out and make even more information you just have to control it better uh, like a waterway and uh, make sure that it flows where it needs to flow and and but that you can stop it where you need to stop it or where you can collect it where you need to collect it and um, you know it's it's a, a tagging thing if you will and um, it just makes sure that the information that's out there, that it's findable and it's like, searchable, it's findable, findable. People can find the information that they need quicker than they would be able to do it now. And it's not just one person that, that, that holds onto the information, right? The hoarding of information by certain people in, in, in on, on planet social business, if you will. I mean, the information froze freely and uh, but the employee will only get the information that he or she needs. All the rest is not important, and he doesn't see it because it's with outside its small realm of interest. But once he needs something from that pile or from that um, lake or whatever you want to call it, he can reach in and just grab it and use it and um, in order to progress his own um, uh, work. So it's not necessarily more information, it's just a better control of the information. And, and certainly developing capabilities around managing 
information for oneself. I mean, I, I was thinking just there as you were speaking about um, Harold Jarchi's work around personal knowledge management. I read a really interesting and very well written, as usual, blog by Richard Martin this morning around that work. So it is about developing the capabilities to manage information because otherwise we will individually be overwhelmed by the flood of it. I mean, it stands to reason that if you unleash this amazing technology called email on people, everyone's going to use it. And I'm going to spend half my day, if I'm a manager, say. It's, it's a prime example of, of, of an uncontrolled flood. That's, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no control. And, and, well, some people control it very nicely. They, they have all the filters and it goes straight into the appropriate... Uh, folders and and but some just have like one huge mailbox and go like no 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 whatever and no, it's just it an me. endless yeah. flow <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's just an endless flow of of information mm. and it's completely uncontrolled and mm. uh, what you get I mean if the levy breaks yeah and you need to have a level where you don't get overwhelmed because I think it's a very fine line that you cross and suddenly you go into overwhelm and your productivity. I mean, I think about speaking on myself. My personal productivity just drops if I just have a sense of overwhelm. If I've been uh, involved in a, in a project or something, and 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 suddenly I get too much, and suddenly it feels like I'm not capable of doing anything. Um, so there is something around. Again, that's related to that mindset shift of what what is it that you need to do to prepare yourself to go and live on planet social business? What are the capabilities? Well, it's email is 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 a, a very nice example of that because it 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 kind of cuts both ways and I'm not it's the bad kind of cutting that it does at one end yeah well you know it's 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 a dull knife rusty and uh, on one end you have the amount of information which is a continuous flow of usually very unimportant things but they need your attention anyway and most of it like well in some cases all of it can be dealt with in another way, more productively. And the other bad side of it is that all the information that is stored in that email system is lost. Because the only one that has access to it is you. Nobody else does. And sometimes there's a lot of information in there. There's documents in there. People use it some, sometimes as document storage. You know, they need a certain document. They search through their email in order to find that document. Hello. Oh. Yeah, it's not very clever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I and I and I, I I was I was actually I had different ways of working when I was working in 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 concert with a team of five or six people. I, I'm working right now for myself and on my own, and and I kind of see it as. A good enough system but I know exactly what you're talking about when you describe that very often my email um, box is my document storage box but you can find stuff yes right but dare not work with somebody else that's right it's a little bit like the don't don't tidy my mess I know exactly where everything is exactly and if you're in a one-man show then it's not it's not very efficient but it's not a huge big deal but when you're in the company, especially when you're when you're reaching like five thousand people, I mean, the amount of information it's that's just gone, and and that's um, uh, uh, corporate property, right? I mean, it's it's intellectual property of the of the company. 
and and it's collectively probably very useful as well beyond beyond the, the legality of it it's there's yeah, the exactly. usefulness but of it's it it's extremely valuable because if you if you put it all together i mean there's especially within larger companies there's people inventing the wheel over and over and over and over and over again there's sure. meetings being held which are completely useless because the information is already there or somebody already solved the problem in some cases right or you can narrow it down or you can you know structure it better with the information po- uh, available but you can't find the information so you know uh, when you put the information in a central repository and uh, you make it findable searchable and uh, taggable and you do it in a platform which is and this is and now we're talking just about the, the available technology right and working with that technology we're not even talking about being uh, structured in your work you know doing it uh, continuously or talking about communities or other powers that we can use in order to get a certain uh, unity within the company and more engagement of the employees this is just information that you're talking about be that as may information is and uh, probably is the most valuable thing a company has next to its employees absolutely well absolutely it's certainly more central to the the way a business or, or the, the 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 resources a business needs to operate compared to 100 years ago when we used to make widgets and factories I'm generalizing, of course, but when information is our currency, then it, it seems sensible that you would need to have ways of managing information, which is entirely different of managing an assembly line or something like that. Now, there's something, there was a quote in the foreword of your book, which is, you cannot opt out of being a social business, which is a, it's a challenging um, statement that says, suggests that the, say, roughly 80% of businesses which aren't there yet they will be unable to resist the tide, if you like. That we cannot stop the tide. We cannot be King Canute and stop the tide from coming in. Um, I'm also aware that you know our time is running out, but I think there's a, a further conversation that would be useful to have around that. If you can't opt out of being a social business, if that's true, then uh, how can people begin to familiarize themselves? Because all the things you've talked about, I have pictures of just this huge plethora of technologies and useful tools and take techniques and ways of operating but I think the first bit is so what would be the first phase that a business might need to undergo uh, it's a bit like going into a restaurant where you just cannot choose because the menu is too big how do I how do I you know if I was trying to make my journey there to planet social business what would be some of the early things that I would need to familiarize myself with is that a question now? Are we going to save that one? Yeah, for it's rhetorical and it's a question now. I'm not going to ask you to <laughs> give the whole answer, but just I guess as a as a as a warm up to the next conversation, I think we need the first the first thing that uh, the opt you're not able to opt out. Yeah, is um, I believe that's true, and with me there's there's others. Um, um, it's because society evolves. It's because technology evolves. It's because the way we work evolves. If you, as a company, do not evolve, you die. Uh, there's, I don't know the exact figures, but there's, for instance, Kodak, for instance. It did not evolve. It died. Uh, there, there used to be cars that ran on steam, steam cars. Took about half an hour to start one up. Once they run they run perfectly. 
And when the, the, the petrol engine came along, the guy who made the steam cars, he was like, meh. Don't want it. Don't think, no, that, that won't. That's, it'll never take off. No, yeah. no, it stinks and it'll, ne it'll never take off. Well, he died, obviously. And um, you cannot opt out. I mean, we evolve, we continue, we grow. Sure. There's a new generation coming and they're coming to work and they go like, where's your social structure? Where's your 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 knowledge base? Where? How, how do I find it? Excuse me, you want me to walk across a floor asking people at random in order to find a certain document or something? Are you kidding me? Right? And um, so, yeah, no. That's why you cannot opt out because, you know, everything will come by the tidal wave, mm. if you will. It, it'll, it'll run you over at some point. Mm. And that's an inevitability. I mean, that, mm. that's been proven already. And where do you start? Start by taking a breath. Mm. And then you become aware of what's out there. And, um, and then you, you, you grow from there. You start with awareness and, and take it from there. Yeah, I mean, as you speak, I, I mean, I'm beginning to answer a little bit the question that I posed you. I mean, I, I'm a, a student and practitioner of, of systems, and I'm fascinated by human systems. And one of the things that I, was, I remember being drummed into me when I was training in the methodology I use was you're working systemically. Start somewhere. Start somewhere, though. Because you're not working linearly, it, linearly, it doesn't matter, but you start somewhere. And in, in many cases, the way you start will get you some momentum. And once you're in momentum, and you're in, in, in motion, then you can change direction if you need to. So, I mean, I'm, I suppose answering that question to myself, as you said that, like take a breath, gain some awareness and, um, of yourself, and start somewhere. I guess where, where is the first thing that warms up in you? What's the first picture that comes to you? And start there. But start, certainly. Well, we, need, we do need to wind up this conversation, but I think there's, um, there's lots for the, the next conversation around social business, I think. And I, I guess it's the question that I'm sitting with and I'd like to pose to you is, are there phases that businesses go through? Are there any typical phases that businesses go through in order to become social? What are those transition phases? And maybe if there were some examples of stories or case studies that you are familiar with, it would be useful to get... Um, some of that so we get a picture of what it might look like a business on its road or maybe a business that got from non-social to social if you like would be useful and some of the capabilities that people have had to learn on the way so that's a flag for the next phase of this conversation of planet social business um, and I look forward to that conversation very much but for this week we need to wrap up but it's not the next episode right not the next episode. No, that will be the next phase of this conversation. Right, okay, exactly. Uh, because we have, as the next episode, uh, it's entitled Beyond Empathy. And I will be speaking a little bit about um, role reversal uh, in the workplace. Uh, but for this, this podcast, we'll say cheerio. So it's goodbye from me. Yes, and me. And we'll be in touch soon. Thank you for listening. <laughs>